Hi, and welcome to another episode of Story Guts. I'm Alice Lai. And I'm Molly Curran. And this is where we explore what the stories we tell tell about us. So, So. (laughs) yeah. So we're recording this on June 9th, 69. Feeling nice. Feeling fine. (laughs) And it's appropriate for a 69 episode. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Oh my god. This is a great start. (laughs) (laughs) It's a wonderful start. Man, we're just really getting into it. Um, But, okay, so as, you know, it's appropriate for Pride Month, rather. Our June episode. Our June episode, our first June episode, we're talking about um, actual factual gays. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) As in... um, well, so I know we, we just did an episode about, like, uh, queer baiting and uh, when Marnie was there and, you know, a.k.a. how to commit the perfect murder um, <laughs> of Alice. <laughs> one specific perfect murder. <laughs> one, one, yeah, one specific perfect murder. Um, and But we thought that it would be appropriate to sort of talk about uh, stuff where, you know, the gays do get, like, a screen time and they're not, like... I do like. Have you seen the tweet going around about like Dumbledoring? No, but I can understand exactly what that would mean. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... I mean, when I told uh, some of my housemates that this is what our um, topic was going to be, uh, one of them was like, "Hmm, does Dumbledore count?" And I was like, "No. <laughs> like first, just no. Dumbledore does not count." Right. Uh, Dumbledore. Do you know? Okay, here's a fun. Here's a weird question. You know the pensive. Um, yeah. Okay, in Harry Potter, so when they, their memories don't exist anymore once they add it to the pensive, right? I guess not. Guess how fucked up is? I mean, okay. I guess I guess it's just kind of like such a really great way to like just stay in the like. Imagine if you're like in the closet, right? And you're okay. like really you're you're like kind of you know have some ambivalent feelings about being, like, uh, gay or trans or whatever. And you're like, you mm-hmm. know what? I'm just going to, like, drop those in the pensive and just, like, just, like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to not think about those, right? And then, I don't, I don't know, I don't know where this is going, but, like, just imagine, just, and then some point, maybe, like, going back, like, yeah, I'll just, like, check out my pensive, like, see what's going up, and just, like, holy shit. all gay thoughts. <laughs> right, yeah, you just, like, end up putting all your gay, th- and you're like, holy fuck this is embarrassing right like because right like there's no way that like someone wouldn't end up like might not end up using it for that i don't know anyways <laughs> i don't know pensive doesn't really make sense to me at all so yeah it's i guess it is like a flashback like, machine like many things in harry potter if you think too hard about it it doesn't really hold up um right. But yeah, Dumbledore doesn't count. And this was this was actually in reference to uh, Solo, the movie, um, because Lando Carlisian was supposed to be like a space pansexual. Oh, um, right. But it, it wasn't apparently, like, he had some, like, mannerisms or whatever, but it wasn't, like, 
I mean, mannerisms, that's like yeah. another thing. But yeah. <laughs> it was it was not in the movie proper and people were getting getting real sick about it. Interesting. What do you think? Okay, this is kind of going. Do you think Valkyrie in Ragnarok is borderline? I I would say it's borderline, but I'm not sure if it like maybe it's like a high like it's like one of those like faded watermarks, like mm. uh because it's like if you're looking for it and if you're like rooting for it, you're like yeah she has like right she an, was in love with that other Valkyrie right you're like okay and that was like the tragic loss yeah yeah well, I was gonna say she has an undercut and like <laughs> but oh okay I was more thinking about the scene where you sort of see the flashback and right right and it's like them sort of like looking at each other and right um, but but i wouldn't say i i wouldn't i would want i want to hold marvel to a higher standard than like i, I agree there's, there's no kissing there's not even any hand holding there's no yeah. like you know sitting oh, in a tree you know it'd be cute she should date um well now i don't know one of the characters like maybe shuri from black panther Oh yeah! That'd oh yeah, cute. that'd be fun. Um. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but to to sort of get back. So to get back. Uh, <laughs> so represent. Okay, so representation, LGBT representation. Um. And mm-hmm. you know, I think like representation is itself sort of a whole can of worms, and I don't really want to get into that as much. Like, does representation matter? Like, yes, but like, does it? whatever there are a lot of sort of debates about the value of representation and the sort of dangers of representation like is representation just visibility is Mm -hmm. visibility always good um you know i think there are a lot of debates kind of in that whole realm of things and i i don't know that i really want to get into that do you have anything you want to get into? i mean i think i think um if we do want to get into it one um i'm probably not super qualified to get into it i am not a scholar um unlike molly Uh, unlike people on tumblr who write long posts about this okay Uh, yeah yeah i mean i think i think um i mean i think it's a it is an interesting question of like you know is representation helpful like what counts as helpful representation like i mean i feel like there's there is like a deep well of cynicism about mm-hmm. representation but it i is... think it's oh go ahead uh, so, Sorry. i mean i mean no no i mean uh just to say real fast i mean this is just a uh, obvious right it's just like sometimes it's nice to just like see visible gay people in <laughs> like big properties like mm-hmm. harry potter mm-hmm. or something just sort of like ex- established that the author thinks you're it's like it's basically if you see an openly gay person, you know, and gay. Okay, I'll say, I'll say queer. If you see an openly queer person in um, uh, property, it means the author or authors or whatever care about you and want to make sure that like if their work ref- includes you in a sense. And like this is even like sidestepping like the the question of like whether it's realistic or whatever. It's just sort of like we it's just like this like we see you kind of thing mm-hmm. i don't know or it's like you know we can imagine worlds like because every book right is every book or tv show whatever it's an imagined world that's what fiction is it's an imagined world whether it's imagining our world as it is or as it very much isn't and so like having that representation means you are imagining a world that includes these kind of people 
yeah. um, whatever sort of these kind of people are under the <laughs> um, so like people of color, people with disabilities, LGBTQ people, whatever you want to say, Absolutely. all of the above. Um, so yeah, I, I think so, and I I would say like the the most pertinent critique in my mind of representation isn't actually a critique of representation, but more a critique of the um, representation becoming the fight rather than a symptom of a broader issue. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Like representation and like talking about TV shows is just like more fun and more sexy than talking about, um, you know, all the real world shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, I think that can, that can sort of, it's like it's it's not the end all be all of goals it's like it's nice to have but right it's that kind of thing or yeah um and i like i'm never gonna say representation isn't important like i am a english literature um phd student like (laughs) i very much believe in the power of the fictional um and the creative to change how we understand ourselves in the world um but i also you know, agree that there are other things. So it's just in certain circles, you know, I think it can get a little um, narrow. Mm-hmm. But for the purposes of this podcast, like, this is what we talk about anyway. So yeah. let's talk. Like, Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's what we talk about. It's, it's our, this is our wheelhouse. And um, yeah, and I think, uh, so as, you know, we'll, we'll sort of, I think this is a great way to just sort of launch your, our standard, like, first half, right? Like, uh, yeah. of um, talking about, like why it's important, and I think I think Molly, what you, I mean, it, I think it's important to like. Right, it's not the end all be all. Like I think this was kind of the critiques of maybe um, like the marriage fight or something. It's like uh, just because Marvel has like a gay character, or like just because Iceman exists and has existed for like eight years or whatever. Was he the first? Out, he's probably I- not the first. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. But, like, it doesn't mean, like, you know, Marvel, like, you know, it doesn't mean, like, better working conditions, better, like, protections, etc., um, that those fights are not over. But, as Molly said, as you said, <laughs> our entire podcast is about stories. So that's kind of, like, where we're gonna, where we're gonna go. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, and I think it's interesting, um because like on our on our canonical on our canonical gaze episode, um, to sort of, I I'm actually not completely sure where to start. <laughs> I mean, I think it's worth sort of doing a sort of rough, very rough history of um, representation, and I guess this is going to be very like specifically Western popular media focused yeah Yeah, i mean Um, unfortunately but it's it's all i know um like when we get to the 90s i can be like sailor moon (laughs) but (laughs) yeah um yeah so you know like the 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 representation of um lgbtq characters um particularly particularly gay and lesbian characters but like that distinction like gay lesbian trans queer like those distinctions um those identities didn't necessarily exist in the way we understand them now Mm -hmm. um you know say in the 19th century but that doesn't mean we can't find them in you know literature from that time 
um, we we very much can both sort of mm-hmm. implicitly and in some cases explicitly, um, and you know into the early twentieth uh, century you get um, you know modernist texts that are explicitly engaging in um, in queer themes or having like gay characters <laughs> so like Mrs. Dalloway. Um, the Well of Loneliness. Yeah. Um, and um, in film, you're getting a lot of sort of coding, right, of like um, the way that certain characters might dress or act implied certain things. Mm-hmm. And this was intentional. Um, yeah, and intentional, I guess, in a in a way that was like, specific for i mean and i think we're talking about intentional and like an intentional like for a certain audience and not like you know the guy who's like effeminate like you know the homophobic disney villain right Mm -hmm. um yeah i'm thinking more like uh you know Catherine hepburn in suits and like flirting with women (laughs) yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah and so you know we get sort of these very for the most part, um, either mild representation, like very sort of subtle, um, but still there, or implied representation. Um, mm. For, I, I mean, I know there are exceptions. Like, of course, there are exceptions. Yeah, I, I wanted to, and I, I and I should have done a little bit of research. I wanted to wonder. I wonder, wasn't there um, a, a a period for at least comics where like the comics authority like heavily censored. Uh, right. Yeah. Like, right. So I think that was maybe like the 40s or 50s, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the, like the Cold War, like the McCarthy. comics code. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it was post World War II. So probably early Cold War. Like the comics code was put into place, which um, banned any sort of like characters deviant. that might seem gay or yeah. uh, things that seemed, you know, quote unquote immoral immoral um, unwholesome like right so like you know um there's a book the the adventures of cavalier and clay have you read this yes mm-hmm. okay right and so in that the character one of the characters is like or some of the characters they they make a comic book and during this time they have to answer for why uh like whether the the sort of superhero characters that they have in their comic book are um, are homosexual because they're seen, um, you know, like as partners or, you know, like in the classic, like old school Batman and Robin, like they're randomly in bed together. <laughs> um, right. And uh, in that book, the, the character who, um, the sort of comic book writer character who is gay in the book has a very f- great response for that. But uh mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, like, I think that definitely, I think sort of post-World War II in general changed a lot of, I think the, the, the media became a bit more conservative. Um, and yeah. And so then I would say like, you know, into, uh, into sort of the end of the 20th century is when we start seeing like much more common like mm-hmm. representation of like explicitly lgbtq people um 
though not necessarily or even often in a positive light. Yeah. And I think, um, and, you know, speaking towards the, the more modern era, like the end of, end of 20th century, early 21st century, um, it really seemed like only, only very, very recently did we, are we, are we getting um, LGBT fiction that's like explicitly for younger audiences? Like for yes. for before like I mean before that I mean we we do have um, I mean like the we do have a lot of, like Paris is burning we do have a lot of historical or like um, for you know quote unquote you know not not in the explicit way but like the four adults like Stone Butch Blues or um, whatever right as like you know these are these are explorations for people who who are not who are like well past like. Uh, their teenage years, I suppose, right. um, and I think I think part of it is, um, I mean, yeah, I think part of it was like the generally conservative nature of America. Like we we all kind of see the the statistics of like acceptance of like gay marriage, you know, for whatever however you think about gay marriage, um, has gone up gone up over the years. Like the acceptance of like gender nonconforming uh, identities have gone up over the years. So like. So it does. I mean, I mean, I think even now I see a lot of uh, discussion around like even non-canonical gays. It's like you know why you know you sickos. You know why are you trying to like make children think about sex? And it's like, like you know you when kids go on play dates in like elementary school, they're not you know they're not approaching it from a sexual angle. Um, right. They like you know being attracted to other like a woman being attracted a girl being attracted to another girl does not mean it's a sexual attraction it can just be like i really want to just hang out with you a lot uh, <laughs> right um so i think i think we're kind of at the very least we're getting to a point um where we're seeing a lot more stuff uh, even you know like we talked about in our queer baiting episode like even if like korasami was never you know even if disney is like we have like two canonical uh, same-sex kisses in like on Cartoon Network or something like mm-hmm. in the background of like two background characters or like you know like uh, or you know we find out that Captain Underpants like one of the kids like time travels to the future and his future self is like has a husband and everyone's like kind of chill with it. Um, I have Wait, no. Wait, does I- that happen or did you just make that? No, up? no, that actually happens, oh. which is kind of neat. Um, <laughs> and like you know and he, and you know the kid doesn't freak out about it like they're all just yeah. like yeah you know this is chill um which is you know great encouraging and great um but but it is it is interesting i mean it's encouraging to see uh these modes of expression being done out now i mean i remember in high school like i read i was part of like reading olympics uh of course and one of the books we read one year was like called uh, I don't know Luna or something, and that was like about uh, a trans a trans girl, but like from wow. the perspective of her sister. So, and I honestly I feel like some of the stuff the book was not great. It was not. Um, it was like trying to do its best, uh, <laughs> but like you know it, it had a kind of a few outmoded stereotypes. Um, Anyways, um, um, yeah, um, and I think like there are also is a distinction to be made here between sort of media for young adults and teens and media for children because mm-hmm. I feel like media for children is has really been like 
the um the sort of space that um this type of representation has until very very recently not mm-hmm. been able to intrude upon um yeah. or intrude upon <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i i think um right like the until until very recently the idea that there could be a um you know major disney movie with a gay character was on pretty much unthinkable well i mean it, it still is like you know for for all the lobbying of like give elsa a girlfriend like you know we're still not really but, there but, but i i agree but i don't think it's unthinkable okay anymore. fair fair i yeah, think yeah. you can see like i think it feels like a thing that could happen and maybe not you know elsa or whatever but like maybe <laughs> um Vanellope. You know, a character in some particular okay. context, right? Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I don't think Disney's going to start big, but... Um, mm-hmm. uh, or just, like, I mean, the fact that Steven Universe is a show that exists... Right, fair enough. ...in the yeah. world is, like, mind-blowing to me. Mm-hmm. And it's not because there wasn't, like, good children's media, but just, like, children's media that was so sort of openly and un concernedly gay or mm-hmm. um you know talking about sort of gender right and it's, i think yeah, yeah. And, and you know steven universe is really astonishing to me partially i mean i think a lot of people have pointed out the way steven universe exemplifies like steven is a boy who like is not masculine i mean it's not it's not mm-hmm. concerned about displays of masculinity and like uh, you know there is that episode where um you know, he, like, puts on, like, glam makeup and, like, a skirt and, like, sings at the end of the episode, right? When Connie... Yeah. And then yeah, it's, yeah. like, it's not a big deal. And it's, like, kind of, like, you know, no one treats it as a big deal that he's, like, non... You know, and, like, Steve Ani, I think a lot of people... Uh, Steve Ani, and I think it's this, especially the fact that Steve Ani actually has, like, uh, was it stubble at some point? Like, is shown yeah. to, like, shave, uh, shave yeah. themselves while they're on, like, the jungle planet. Is like, a lot yeah. of people were, like... Um, this is cool because it's not like, uh, even like, you know, Steve Ani as uh, presented as androgynous character, um, a lot of people might still be like, oh, okay. So like they're a girl or whatever, or like they're, they're like it, it, this very specific representation of expression and a show goes out of its way to sort of like, uh, you know, not to use a term that you hate, a queer that, <laughs> um, no, you're right. I think I think um, Steven Universe is is really exceptional for the fact that like these are allowed to openly exist, and it's not like um, it's not winked at. I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Um, but and then I think in terms of like popular media, um, I I think again like representation is just sort of. It's it's not it's still sort of like a pleasant surprise every time it happens, but it's no longer um like a huge shock, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, we think about friends or or cheers or sort of any of these huge long running Fraser no, Seinfeld, whatever. All these like really <laughs> right. long running popular shows where like you've got your main central cast and like none of them are gay. Yeah. Or well, we'll say gay because I feel like gay was sort of the first, uh, <laughs> right? Okay, <laughs> first thing we started. Um, and uh, and now, like, if you had a big ensemble, 
um, sitcom, I feel like I kind of would expect like there would be at least one character, one mm-hmm. character who isn't straight, right? Yeah, and I think like and maybe they're a total like cliche joke, whatever. Like maybe, <laughs> but like it just seems like they they should exist. You know, we've now got right. Um, you know, so many sitcoms and things on the air. I guess I should say that, and then I'm like, oh, I love New Girl. It's, like, my favorite ever, and everybody is fucking straight as hell on that show. Right. But... And it, oh, yeah, and then the fact that, like, two of them are, like, kind of gay in a sense is, like, yeah. the, the joke, I suppose. Yeah. Except for how their love is true and pure. Right. Their love but... is real, but they're more uh, uh, homo-romantic. <laughs> uh, or... <laughs> um, but, but, like, at, le- at the very least, like, it's very... It feels natural, like the fact that, you know, Brooklyn Mm -hmm. Nine-Nine, you know, from episode one, we had Captain Holt, Um, you know, modern family sort of built itself around this idea of the the sort of like gay couple um, as one of the, you know, quote unquote, modern configurations of family. Right, right. And it's Um, it's modern families has won like an Oscar every year that it's been on. Uh, Emmy. Emmy, whatever, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and like there was a show for a little while called Happy Endings. Did you ever see Happy Endings? Mm-mm. It was it was like a sitcom that was on um, about it was kind of like Friends. There was like a group of friends, and they uh, got into shenanigans and had various like romances, whatever. Um, but mm-hmm. one of the characters in that was um, was gay and uh, very very non stereotypical. In the sense that he was just sort of this like grouchy, uh, um, oh, I don't know how to describe him. Just sort of this like uh-huh. grouchy, cynical dude who like a was it like a Nick Nick Offerman type or like? Um, I mean, yeah, not not exactly okay. like that, okay. but uh, like a Sherlock from Elementary type. I don't know. I'm I. I don't know anything about. <laughs> yeah, um, and and obviously, I think sort of like the bigger the the cast, the more likely you're going to get a gay character because they want to like get in that diverse. Right. The fact that there was never a gay character on Lost is wild. But it's because gays don't go to hell, right? <laughs> like, or like maybe they go directly to hell. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, here's my caveat: I don't know anything about hell other than like the twist is that they're in purgatory. So. You have two exclamations right away. One, all gay, like the gays go straight to hell. There's no, they don't stop by in purgatory. Um, or two, well, I guess there's three exclamations. The second exclamation is that they all go to heaven, like all gays go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, gays are actually secretly immortal in the lost <laughs> universe, and they just like they don't die. They just like ah. it's like the doctor, you know, they like undergo a regeneration when um, when the juice runs out. Um, seems seems about right to me. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think it's funny. Um, I mean, I th- it's like a Twitter observation. It's kind of like um, it's always kind of funny when there's like the one or two, like the one gay character. When like it's very often in real life when you're like when you don't have like one, like they call it like the gay Katamari effect. Like every oh, yeah. like one, if a friend group like if you meet a gay, like the gay person is usually like by far in the majority of their friend group. Like everyone else is like. <laughs> some flavor of, like, not straight. Except for, like, maybe, like, the two token straight guys who are just, like... Everyone's, like, kind of, like, not sure if they're going to come out at some point. Or, like, <laughs> there's, like, you know, we respect you and we respect your identity. Um, so... Uh, yeah, it's definitely definitely true. 
uh, and I think okay. So also this this actually just reminded me like um, and then there's like Netflix, isn't and there's like the the all trans like the the show that's like casting a lot of trans um, pose pose. And then I I saw something about like Netflix just adapted, and I don't know how I feel about this. It's called like super drag or whatever about like a bunch of like trans superheroes i'm not sure how i feel i don't like the conflation between drag and trans identities especially because uh rupaul um has a huge problem with trans misogyny um going back i mean extremely far but that's a whole complicated thing too because there are a lot of trans women right who like are do drag or started in drag right right including someone from rupaul's drag race it's just like yeah. Yeah. I um, guess RuPaul, RuPaul, RuPaul specifically yeah. has said some shit. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. Um, so it kind of, like, I think, yeah, I think it'll, we'll see who's involved in that, because I think that may make Yeah, I want to, oh, yeah, yeah, I want to, I want to. And I think um, Sensei, uh, Sensei was also a Netflix property with, like, a couple prominent, um, like, definitely with, like, prominent gay, like, everyone in the, in the eight. So Sensei is just basically about eight, like, psychically connected people. And at they one were all point, born at the exact same moment. Yeah, yeah. They are all born at the exact same moment. They can, like, body hop with each other. And it's a, it's it's actually quite a kind of fun show. I've only seen the first season. And, um, sorry, I'm, I'll, I'll get to But, like, yeah. So, like, there's at least, uh, there's one character who's, like, very gay. Like, his, his plot line is basically, <laughs> like, he's a huge, like, romance. He's, like, a hot... Like, He's like hot. a telenovela star. Or oh yeah, like yeah. A, a very popular Mexican um, actor, sort of in romantic leads, but he's he's gay and he's closeted and he has a partner who he sort of hides. Yeah, and then there's another character who is trans and like a like a trans hacker, um, and then but the show but they and she's all... got a girlfriend. Yeah, she does have a girlfriend, and um, she has like a pretty cool storyline. She has a pretty like uplifting empowering storyline as well um but they all get into like a big mental group orgy uh and then i think like the creators are like yeah like everyone's at least pansexual um because none of them are like i'm gonna stick to this side of the orgy Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i'm just gonna i'm gonna stay over it right um anyways uh this is also Oh yeah. Anyways, so so yeah, a lot more. And I think I think young adult fiction. We're also seeing a lot of. Um, I remember seeing uh, some like on Tumblr, like someone's putting out a, a book about like a intersex person who is not, mm-hmm. um, at least as as like you know growing up intersex dealing with it. I know like middle sex was supposedly about that, but everyone's yeah. kind of like yeah, eh, right. And then there's um, I know every harder doorway is supposedly like. I don't know what that is. It's a book with, uh, like, the first asexual um, protagonist. Uh, (laughs) I mean, we're getting into the part where we're just listing things. Yeah, yeah, okay, fair. I'll, I'll, yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, This is, that is not fun for anyone. I think you're right in that, um, like, it is much, much more common, like, and and we see this definitely in in YA fiction, that there's... increased focus on there's a thirst for it on on diversity um in various ways and in and in you know like genre fiction as well i would say Mm -hmm. um so we we do get a lot more um you know maybe not prominently featured or maybe not like your central character but um you know like in in um broken earth trilogy 
there are um, gay and trans characters that exist sort of in in the story. Yeah, um, for sure. In the um, a series I really love, the Bitter Blue, or sorry, Bitter Blue is the third one. The Graceling trilogy. Um, there are again some gay or bisexual characters in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, in the second book, the main character is actually bisexual, but her romance is with a man, so it's kind of mostly focused on that. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, wait, do you remember um, Uprooted? Yes. Where, like, all the way through, I was like, she's in love with her best friend. And it's just like, the book just, like, never... Like, I thought, I was, like, I was, like, so ready for it. And then the book just, like... Yeah. Just didn't go there. I was, I was, I was like, so when is this going to become, like, the the triad? I feel like, okay, I feel like triad situations come up a lot. Um, I mean, or maybe I'm just, like, reading a lot into it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Um, um, so yeah, we're seeing we're seeing it a lot more, um, and you know, it may also speak to our own the things we are reading and watching. Right, our own our own bubble, intellectual right. bubble. Um, I'm sure if we were just watching, you know, NCIS every every night, and you know, only reading novels by I don't know, fucking J- Jonathan Franzen or something, it'd be uh, a different story. I mean, Jonathan Franzen. I have not read anything about John Franz. Nor have I. Like, I just talk shit about him anyway. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. He sounds like a terrible writer who gets an inexplicable amount of fame. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel I feel like this is. I mean, part of this is maybe the reason for like uh, the fact that conservatives always feel like besieged by cultural Marxists or like yeah. whatever the the term is. Is like just the this stuff is becoming more prevalent, harder to ignore, and like is telling people that they don't have to fear themselves i think like this is we're sort of going back to like representation and stuff but like a lot of um the way that like steven universe works or like the way uh, you know and tumblr culture is its own topic that we yeah won't we get don't into. need to <laughs> we absolutely will not get into um <laughs> but uh i mean i think i think a lot of the backlash or the counter, like the, I mean, you know, Battlefield. I don't know, Molly, if you've kept track of the set at all, but like Battlefield Four, a game about World War Two, um, featured a woman on the cover, and like a lot of people were like, "Woman didn't fight in World War Two," uh, which was really odd, uh, specific uh, response. Um, but you know, it it reads to me like it reads to me as a lot like we don't want this space to feel safe for other people to exist in. And I think a lot of people in the uh, queer community, like something growing up, I mean, a big function of the LGBT identity is not feeling safe about being yourself. And like, that's not always true. Like there are a lot of people who are like, um, but I think like it's, it is like this shared uh, communal experience that I, I would think like almost every LGBT people I know has had, which is like, I don't know if I exist. Like, I don't know if I can exist safely. And I think, like, the way these books are are trying to build a mental model of, like, uh, safeness, I guess, that you can, like, hold in your head when you you read them or something. Like, this is, uh, you know, this is a way, like, the author is envisioning a narrative where 
um, like a identity exists and, uh, and like exploring away this identity unravels like uh, not in like the taking apart kind of way, but like in the expanding kind of like a bunch of loose leaf flowers in hot water kind of way in the world. Um, I was trying to, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that was well, well put. Um, yeah. So do we want to start talking about things specifically? I have a few things that I think are just, um, I'd like to mention just as kind of things I think were sort of, um, landmark kind of things. Oh yeah, for sure. They were very much, you know, we can, we can talk about whether they were any good or not, but I think, um, Will and Grace was a huge, uh, huge deal. I think the first, um, like two men kiss between two men, Mm -hmm. uh, on primetime TV or something happened on Will and Grace. Um, I think it was one of the first shows that like, you know, had gay protagonists, like, (laughs) um, uh, yeah, it it definitely was trying something, and and you know I think like probably for some people was very exciting and welcome, and for some maybe not. But I think it was kind of a landmark. Um, Queers folk and the L word, or some of the first major uh, media that were entirely sort of centered around groups of, mm-hmm. um, in the first case, gay men, and the second one, lesbians. Um, Again, I wouldn't necessarily say I have not watched the L word, but I've heard a lot about it. And it's queer <laughs> folk. Like I wouldn't like be like, yeah, that's excellent representation all mm-hmm. around. I mean, like um, they don't even say it. Like, what's the L word? It could be lemons. <laughs> I'm sure they say the word lesbian. On the L word. <laughs> that I'm not so concerned about. <laughs> um, and Buffy, I think uh, Willow was a huge deal. Um, Buffy mm-hmm. was a very popular show huge property and like whatever Joss Whedon is whatever and uh, (laughs) but but Willow's um Willow beginning to date women and coming to identify as gay really was kind of a a remarkable thing at the time yeah yeah um and then I think this one's a little later but I I do think it was um I I think it kind of was a turning point is Glee like oh yeah yeah I think that's, a good, that's a good point was a <laughs> nightmare in many ways uh, <laughs> and we all had to live through it but <laughs> um, it also was a show that I think like really did um, put a lot of these um, identities and these kinds of characters on the map um, that's a great point I think that's a good point that I didn't really think about was like the way that Glee functioned in kind of like you know, for for whatever, like the a whip, like as a huge show with like everyone watching it, and also like you know this is and like having Kurt just sort of like be on there with like or whatever, yeah. Right, there's Kurt, and then you got Santana. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh then, yeah, of course. The Queen and then in Santana. later seasons, after long after I stopped watching, but I know there was a trans character. Um, you know, I think they they made attempts to um, think through particular, like, representation issues. I don't know how any of that worked, but I do know <laughs> that, like, for a lot of people, like, Klain, as it's known, <laughs> Kurt and Klain <laughs> were, like, a very important, um, you know, couple to see. Like, it was, like, 
seeing men sing love songs at each other did feel very unique. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Santana and Britney and like sort of them having a love story also felt very surprising and, um, and meant a lot to a lot of people from what I understand. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I did not get so attached to Glee. So, right. I mean, I think, um, fascinating yeah i mean i think i also ended up falling off after after a while but man that show i just i'm just remembering when we when we like looked up how it ended and like sue becomes like the vice vice president president. to like jeb bush yeah uh, which is a dark 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 it's a dark timeline but i think i'd take it over this one (laughs) it is a it is it is funny at the moment when we're like what a dark timeline and right now we're like that sounds pretty good um like you know we uh molly wait molly you did say that you did say that you had a sponsorship deal with quip so like you know so i want so i I, you know i don't know what deal you struck with them like do i get one like what's the do i get a check in the is a check in the mail like what's the Mm -hmm. what's the what's the process Mm -hmm. yeah you're just gonna lifetime supply of free toothbrushes but they're going to send you so many that you don't know what to do with them. It's just going to be like a carton of like five, yeah. like 600. Uh-huh. Or they're going to be like, here's your lifetime supply. And they'll just give me two. And I'll be like, what? And they'll be like, hey, uh, don't ask us, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, um, okay, sorry for that tangent. But <laughs> lifetime supply. For the record, of- on Twitter, I was talking about how much I love Quip. Um, right. Lifetime supply of toothbrushes slash vibrators um oh my god there is a there is a reason why there are two ends um oh my god <laughs> sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry you're just, you're just desecrating what i think is an excellent product sorry i know i know i should not i should uh take it seriously um yeah how are we ever going to get that sponsorship deal if you keep here's the thing so i've listened to a lot of my brother my brother and me and they they... they were successful first. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I guess. I guess um, you're allowed to kind of talk about, uh, kind of mangle, <laughs> mangle yeah. the, the once there, once you become established. Once you have thousands and thousands of listeners, we've got like three, so we got to take it we've easy. We've got at just... least ten. Okay, and be like, Quip is an excellent product. So says Molly. Right. Yeah. Molly. Molly loves her. Loves her Quip. Uh, I just, I, I have electric toothbrush, but I'm not on the, I'm not, I haven't tried Harry's. Apparently a lot of trans women loves Harry's, so I'm sure that's an uh, endorsement that they're, you know, thrilled to have. <laughs> Harry's, love, trans women, love it, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, anyway. <laughs> okay, sorry, back to the, back to the so show, back everyone. To that. So that, that was, I, I guess to me, that's sort of like the first generation of, um, like, LGBT kind of entering the mainstream mm-hmm. and and then I think there's sort of like a new era that's happening now where we're getting um more thoughtful content some I mean I don't know again I don't want to like denigrate all that stuff like people love some of that and whatever <laughs> but I you know I think there are certain things you know like I think what we've seen on Brooklyn Nine-Nine mm-hmm. um you know not only having sort of a a a black gay male um 
sort of character who talks a lot about like experiencing racism and homophobia mm-hmm. um but who is also like just a great character absolutely like, hysterical yeah. um and like you know getting to see him with his husband and um see people respect him like i think that's been great but then you know also and we have rosa diaz who um in the most recent season um like told us that she's bisexual told us told <laughs> yeah the show she told the other characters that she's bisexual. Um, and this came, you know, after the actress, Stephanie Beatriz, um, announced that she was bisexual and encouraged the writers to write that into the show. Um, mm-hmm. Because you don't get a lot of um, uh, a lot of representation of bisexuality. And again, I don't want to get into the, the, the bi wars or whatever. But, um, <laughs> but like having people sort of say the word bisexual out loud is, is a little bit rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, where you get uh, Daryl, the um, the main character's boss, who sings an entire amazing song about being bisexual after he sort of realizes that he's bisexual. Yeah. Um, and and sort of ends up dating dating a man. Um, yeah. What's... So I think this is sort of like a, a a new era of like. I think being it's it's not being more conscious about the fact that they're doing representation, but I think they're they're taking to heart more the criticisms of repre- representation um, mm-hmm. in the past. Right. I mean, I think I think that's that's yeah. I think that's really interesting because I mean, my my uh, touchstone kind of with the earlier stuff you mentioned, uh, like Glee, was that Glee kind of was important, but it was also seen like it was kind of for a straight audience or whatever like it was it was Mm. like sort of like here is all like ask what the gays can do for you kind of kind of thing Mm -hmm. whereas um how i feel about brooklyn 99 is that like it's a lot more it's a lot more lived in um like captain Holt and like stephanie beatriz sorry rosa diaz i I, you know something but their identities are just like much more lived in, and especially Captain Holt and like his husband. Um, like it's, it's it's funny. Like they they have jokes about their relationship, and they have jokes about like their. But like in a way that, uh, it goes like hand like yeah. I mean it just it just sort of like. There's something about it that doesn't feel explanatory or defensive. Yeah. There's something about it that's. Uh, that is like kind of if you if you meet us like not even halfway but like you know our jokes we do not we don't have to explain any of the basic stuff to you we're just going to talk about whole like you know throwing away his partner's duck um and just like having that you know whatever um or his ex's duck rather yeah um yeah and i think um like on my side, I think I, I've definitely noticed, and you know, part of it might be is maybe certainly authorial, like my own biases in looking at genre fiction. But um, a lot of the most exciting sci-fi and fantasy I've read um, have featured uh, centrally, or you know, you know, I, yeah, kind of have featured centrally, uh, like gay or bi um, characters. Um, I uh, I know like Molly mentioned uh, the Broken Earth trilogy. Um, the main character does enter like enters into like or uh, the main character 
yeah, enters into like a like a male like a three person triad um, at some point, and like the and her lover is shown to be like interested equally in both like well maybe not equally but like interested in men and women. Um, and a, a book I I mean I just sort of reread a book recently um, called The Trader Baru Cormorant, um, which uh, is a book I I love deeply, um, and I've given up on ever having Molly read it. Uh, Look, what? Yeah, I can't. I, I can't read books. Yeah, yeah. I know. All I, I do mean, is read books. At this point, at this point, at this point, Molly is doing her prelims, so I Unless understand. It go on my prelims list. I can't read it. I know. And I know. I believe it was not written by a woman, so it can't go on That's my prelims true. list. Right now, I'm hoping. Right, right, right. Like at this point, Molly is doing her prelims. She has a list of like seventy books she needs to read. So. It's it's 160. 160. Holy shit. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, so like honestly my 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 other hope is that uh the author Seth Dickinson um comes out as uh trans and then, you know, <laughs> maybe that whole way that way I'll make it onto freelancers but um anyway, sorry. Um The Trader Barrow Cormorant is about a uh the main character, she like she you know, lives on an island where like uh gay and like polyamorous relationships are respected until it's conquered by an empire that, like, expressively forbids it. So the first book kind of talks about her kind of inserting herself into the empire and, like, working out, like, and, like, tr- like working out how to take it around from inside because she has, like, a very naturally analytical mind. Um, and, you know, she meets someone, I don't know, it's, it's great. It's, it's um, kind of like the sequel's coming out uh, in October, and I'm very excited for it. Um I I would say sci-fi stuff like Ancillary Justice yeah, I was also say and lucky stuff. And lucky stuff where um you know she she uses kind of like the uh she as like the generic third person pronoun. Um but I think it's also implied heavily. I mean it's just sort of like gender like she explicitly talks about how like gender isn't as important um in the specific cultural setting that like in the Imperial Ratch which is like the setting of the books yeah um so um, you have I'll... like oh go ahead uh, i mean so you have like this like very uh kind of like there's there's like both this very in, there's like this very intense romance between like this trash noble safe Arden, and uh, the main character i love that, like, it so evolves. much yeah i know like she's safe Arden very... such a yeah disaster. Like, little sh- little disaster little shit um but, but I mean, yeah, and I think I think it's also like a lot of uh, graphic novels I've been reading, and this is absolutely selection bias because I've been like looking for the um, the gay stuff, um, but have have come out. I mean, there's like uh, the Bride Was a Boy, which is like a memoir, uh, Japanese memoir biography about a trans woman. Unsurprisingly, um, I guess there was Fun Home, and that was in high school. Yeah. Like that was a long time ago, which I loved, but it's a classic. Uh, it's very good. But it's um, yeah, it's really also, really. You good. should definitely read um, the one I just read. My favorite. My thing favorite is thing monster. is monsters. Okay. It's like there's some rough stuff in it. Okay. Um, right. but uh, I think you would definitely like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was also gonna say in terms of. Uh, I just wanted to give another plug for Anne Leckie's newest book, Provenance. Oh, okay. Um, where it also features a lesbian romance 
Um, but in this case, the um, the gender system is different. Um, uh-huh. So it's in the same world, but it's outside of the Rask. Ratch. The yeah. Ratch. Um, <laughs> sort of outside of the Imperial area. It's a different um, place. And um, there you sort of decide on your gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of is like how you're, you mark coming into adulthood. Um, and you can kind of do it whenever, but there's sort of a general trend to do it. Um, and the main character is a woman and her love interest is another woman. And then there's also a, a man who I believe has a romance with another man. Um, so it's mm-hmm. very gay <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, also just a delightful novel. I really want you to read it, but. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I want to, I want to say like the, another sci-fi book. I think, I think, and I, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's like a chance thing, but like another sci-fi book, the uh, Machineries of Empire. I think the first book is the Nine Fox Gambit. Um, also has like a, like gay, it's like, has a gay character, has like explicitly, like it's not, I, I'm not sure if I would say explicitly that it's a trans character. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean, it is it is a character who is like identifies as male and like mentions like you know um, some people don't respect me because I'm like woman form um, mm. or something. So which is which seem like very explicit. But of course, like um, I think the book works in a different like cultural context. So like the 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 thing about like transness doesn't translate over. But like the author is a trans man, and I think like um, and there's a lot of like I mean. A lot of it is, like, the standard, like, overthrow the empire of, like, evil... The evil space church uh, empire from, like, uh, using... (laughs) But um, the background, a lot of the characterization stuff, like, you do see gender and, like, identity and, like, that stuff, like, in the background as well. Um, And I think think it's no... It's not a... And I think, actually, this person's, like, a good friend of Seth Dickinson, um, which I think is... Which makes sense because their their books kind of share similar like us. You can sort mm-hmm. of see the same ideas in both of them, mm-hmm. um, but I think I think it is like sci-fi wants to be held like good sci-fi now is like kind of interested in a higher standard. Like they're interested, they're not interested in. It's not as much about like space colonization though a lot i mean okay all of them are still about space colonization 100 percent. that was a that was the incorrect statement to say but um the as the focus is kind of turning inward on like culture and society and especially on on gender as like people are uh waking up or like ex- understand that this is there there's no way to explore society without also exploring gender like you it's it's very like a it wouldn't be a full exploration if you don't like interrogate systems of like how um how people relate to each other and like gender is a major way of how we relate to each other um and like gender is a major way of how we relate to our bodies uh and like you know you know yeah i think that's very well said i think that's maybe a good place to um wrap up as well yeah lots of Um, lots of lots of big books um, I want to say I think that the book um, A Darker Shade of Magic which I didn't didn't really like very much but I wanted to just shout out um, I think a lot of people really appreciate that because like one of the characters end up being ends up being gay um, whereas like 
ends up explicitly being gay after it's only hinted at in the first book. Um, oh, if we're doing that, then shout out to the television program Black Sails. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right do you want, <laughs> wait, do we want to talk about Raven Boys at all? I don't. I, I don't know that there's that much to say okay. about it that we haven't said in previous episodes. Yeah, fair um, enough. All right. You know, like, I, I love my wonderful bisexual son, Adam, and my trash Good. son, Ronan. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, um, that's but, great. yeah, I think that's... Um, All okay. right. Yeah, so do you want to... I mean, you may have already said some of it, what you've been reading, watching, listening to lately, but... Yeah, I um, I recently got, uh, ordered the book, uh, so I'm order. I, I recently read, um, super, yeah, I, I mentioned Super Late Bloomer last time, I think, um, memoir about, like, a trans woman who's, like, transitioned when she was around 28 or something, um, which is, like, um, and, like, chronicling her experience doing that. Uh, which I think is is different from a lot of like a lot of trans narratives are like, um, I knew I was trans for a long like for a very long time and I was only able to transition later in life. I think Super Late Bloomer kind of is talking about transition as um, like something like at the process of figuring out that you're trans and like the process of like transitioning when it quote unquote seems too late. Um, seems interesting. I uh, I also ordered my solo exchange diary, which is the sequel, kind of the sequel to my lesbian experience with loneliness, which is about like a woman uh, who struggles a lot with depression and like isolating herself, like learning and like with emotions, I guess, like learning how to like slowly become a functional human being, or like documenting her road of like self-discovery and self-realization of like this is you know i need people in my life i need like you know this is this is the way i self-sabotage um which is interesting and yesterday i watched hereditary the movie that's gotten a lot of buzz about being a scary movie now i'm not sure if it's as good as like as cohesive i guess as like get out or the babadook about like horror as a metaphor on like other things mm-hmm. but um was it scary it was scary like i spent like the entire like like two-thirds of the movie with like clutching my like jacket to my face like hunched over in my in my mm-hmm. chair in a in a state of shock and fear um i think it's i mean here's the thing like it is partially it is effective as like as, like, a thing about trauma, about, like, emotions, about, like, uh, the mother who's played by, what's her name? Loni? Tony Collette. Tony Collette. Tony Collette is fantastic in her role. Um, and there's, like, a lot of scenes where it's, like, it's not the spooky stuff. It is about, like, this, these wells of resentment, grief, anguish, and, like, uh, regret and love that, like, that characters are absolutely completely unable to express to each other and there's also points of like major mystic spookiness um like there's a lot of points where uh yeah where like stuff is clear or like or where the two kind of interconnect like the main character this is like maybe a minor minor spoiler but she's like kind of in a talking to another like another person a, a person she's befriended um, at a grief counseling seminar and she's like yeah like here's the thing about like my son is like one day like he was sleeping with my daughter do- like you know they're sleeping in a daughter's in the same bed as in like as a comfort thing you know anyway it's not it wasn't weird but 
she sleep she's like yeah i sleepwalk so one day like i wake up and i'm standing over my son's bed and he's like mom what are you doing and we're all we're all three of us are drenched in lighter fluid and i have a lit match in my hand and i immediately put it out of course and i'm like I, I tried to explain I was just sleepwalking, but he didn't believe me because, of course, he wouldn't. <laughs> um, so, like, there's kind of, like, you see that as, like, a foundational, like, like, that's what the mom worries about. And you're also, like, you don't sleep, almost, like, sleep torch your family. <laughs> like, right? That's, there's, you're, like, that's so, that's a weird, well, like, you're, like, I'm going to file that away. <laughs> and the rest of the movie does not make you forget like forget it so if you like horror movies check it out there is there are i would say there's one gory scene at the beginning that's like really that i couldn't watch and there's one gory scene at the end that i couldn't watch uh they're kind of telegraphed but if you want to know more let me know (laughs) but one of the involved like if you see out of control driving just like close your eyes for a little bit if you're not okay with violence okay Yep. Um, How about you, Molly? Well, as I mentioned, I I just read um, My Favorite Thing is Monsters, Volume 1. I assume there's going to be a Volume 2 because it did not wrap up any of the the mysteries or, like, plot threads. Um, It just... Ended? Ended, kind of on a cliffhanger type thing. Um, but it was very, very good. Um, many trigger warnings, because <laughs> there's a lot of shit in there. Um, a lot of abuse, child abuse, sexual abuse, also oh. the Holocaust. So, jeez. Oh, um, it's it's a little rough, um, but it's it's really cool and really smart and beautiful, um, beautifully drawn, mm-hmm. and just a really, really unique um unique book i'm it it fits very well into my uh my prelims reading where i'm thinking about um sort of like horror and monstrosity and women's bodies and violence so um you know take with that what do with that what you will um (laughs) other than that not really anything um i just started rewatching elementary um with my housemate becky because we ran out of things to watch so <laughs> i pushed for us to do that because i wanted to do an elementary rewatch anyway yeah um so we're currently a couple episodes into season one it's still so satisfying mm-hmm. before uh, natalie dormer like became we're, we're not cute. too natalie dormer yet but yes okay right right uh, yeah, but before... just, I mean, like, I feel like season one and then certain parts of other seasons, um, but season one especially, like, it's so, every episode, even when it sort of feels like it's filler or whatever, like, you just see, like, concrete growth in the relationship of the, in the partnership between Sherlock and Joan. And I just, like, I love that shit. <laughs> it's extremely satisfying because, like... Especially at the time when it came out and it was, like, really, like, side-by-side with Sherlock. BBC Sherlock as, like, two competing visions of, like, how to be. And, like, elementary being about, like, making human connections. And, like, like, being really good at your job does not 
you know, like, yeah, you need you need more than just like. Well, the thing I really appreciate is, um, in general, like I watch a lot of these shows that are like brilliant men who do brilliant things but have bad personalities, <laughs> um, and it's you know it's a genre unto itself, um, mm-hmm. and. What I love is elementary, you start watching it, and the first episode you're like, God, this guy's so fucking annoying. Like, he's he's just <laughs> like that. And it's not that that immediately goes away, that he's no longer arrogant, that he's no longer sort of – but, like, very, very quickly he comes to respect, uh, respect Joan, and, like, he starts realizing that he is better for knowing her, um, mm-hmm. and he is better for the things that she is teaching him. I also think the um, – the everything about addiction really throughout the series has been really absolutely thoughtful and um just also feels very unique to me to have um it's not just sort of like okay and he's like a recovering heroin addict and that's like that's it's so just fun. like you know it's just in there for the sake of plot like it feels really really central to how they shape the story how they shape him as a character um and shape sort of how he is sort of trying to be a better person and like interact with the world in more positive ways for the sake of his own recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I highly re- recommend elementary. If you haven't seen it, it's not like amazing all the time, but it's, <laughs> it's never like bad. It's just like sometimes solidly like, okay. And yeah. then sometimes like reaches great heights, but yeah. I, I want to say, yeah, definitely want to second Molly's recommendation. I think it's just, like, in terms of making the relationship about, like, human relationships. And, like, I think I, I also say, like, Sherlock's addiction, the writers treat it very seriously. They understand that it's, like, a core thing that drives Sherlock. And it's a core part of, like, how Sherlock sees himself, how he, like, his hangups about himself um, and the way that he relates to other people, the way he's met other people, like Joan kind of is his sober companion at the mm-hmm. beginning of the series. And I think um, I the show doesn't kind of like treat it as like, oh, he's a dick. He's like, he's a, he's an addict. Like, let's have some like fun drug jokes or like, or the fact that like, oh, he beat it and now he, he doesn't have to worry about it ever again. Like, Right. And it's, they, not all, it's also one of the things I really like is it's not also just like, they don't just bring it up, like, just in time for it to be, like, a dramatic, like, oh, no, will he relapse or won't he? Like, it, it's consistent. Like, he's mm-hmm. consistently going to meetings. He's consistently sort of having to think about recovery. Um, you know, we're, like, six, seven seasons in now, and, like, recovery is still very central to what is going on with him. Right. Um, and there's a great speech he gives in one season. Sorry, now we're going off on a totally different thing, but there's a great <laughs> speech he gives in one season where he talks about how boring recovery is like the fact that it's just sort of monotonous um and i saw a lot of people sort of responding very positively to that because it was um you know it was it was sort of one of the few depictions that sort of just talks about recovery as as continuous work that isn't very interesting but that you have to keep doing (laughs) (laughs) yeah um no i mean i think um i think we we should do an episode about elementary i i I was thinking like we at some point we need to do like smart like the genius yeah the, the genius with bad attitude with attitude issues yeah um episode because we we have a lot we can certainly talk about elementary in depth there all right Um, well let's wrap up now um (laughs) let's wrap up um so yeah do you have anything 
to add or we just want to no let's you know, uh like I subscribe think... review recommend us recommend follow us, on us. Twitter. I, you know, I feel like we, we have grown as a pod. Thank you for coming along with us on our, on our journey. And I do think that we've grown as a, grown as a podcast. Thank you for staying with us. Yeah. I will say one of our regular listeners, my dad, <laughs> nice. says that we do improve with each episode. Oh, perfect. So. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> That's dad. good to hear. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Larry. <laughs> uh, can I call him Larry? I feel like I'm not on first name. You can call him really. Larry. Mm, all right. <laughs> um, okay. but yeah follow us um we're on spotify if we we're, on, uh, we're not spotify? on spotify oh. we're on google play and itunes i could probably figure out how to put us on spotify uh, um yeah and yeah. follow us at story guts cast or you can follow me uh this is on twitter obviously at the molly jean that's the m-o-l-l-y-j-e-a-n-n-e um or follow me uh alice i'm at alonculus which is a-l-o-n-k U L O U S, and like as always, like we love to hear suggestions, comments. Uh, if you have any, if you have any theme suggestions, add us, or you can email us at um, storygutscast at gmail dot com. Uh, yeah, as all, yeah. Thanks again for listening. Uh, anything last? Any last words? No, I think that's it. Uh, yeah, right. this has been Story Guts. I'm Molly Curran, and I'm Alice Lai. And stay hungry. Well, I lost my head.